everyone. Welcome to another episode of your favorite podcast, Operation Evil. This is episode 30, and it's called Ellie Good. Is that correct, Rachel? Yes, like good. Good. Good, like G-O-U-L-D. Perfect. So we are your host. I'm Nyoka. I'm Rachel. And we are doing this through Zoom again. So um, thanks for your patience. We are getting over some sickness and um, we should be hopefully back to normal next week. We'll see. I don't know. We're crossing our fingers. We are hoping. Now, this week, Rachel's given us this story. And I have no idea about this story. I don't think. I don't recall. Anyway, so I'm really interested to hear it. But um, is there any trigger warnings we should know about? I would just always say, hey, this is a a murder podcast. So there's always going to be trigger warnings. Yeah. So there we go. Oh. And I do want to keep putting things out in the universe and hoping that they come true. And um, I would love one day, goals, okay? One day, Murder Apparel has like their own Operation Evil line, like they do with Morbid. We love Morbid. And we love Murder Apparel. I'm like, I seriously am like, I don't know, six, seven Murder Apparel shirts. And I love them so much. And no, they're not sponsoring us. I wish they were. <laughs> I just and even throw to, that out there. To bring even more to that dream is like to partner with Rammstein and Murder Apparel. Like have like one shirt, like the two into one. I like it. Entwined together. Yes. Let's just keep throwing all this out there. Maybe it'll yeah. come true. But I think that's all I got as far as like housekeeping because um, we've been um, stuck indoors. So. Rachel, it's all you, girlfriend. All right. I got you in my little corner here. Yay. I can see your little face. Yay. For support. I support you fully. <laughs> all right. Here we go. So this is about a 17-year-old girl. Like Nyoka said, you know, trigger warnings are always there. All right. So Ellie Good is a name I came across recently. Looking for a topic for our next podcast. I actually came across her story on YouTube. Um, There was a program that is like out of the UK. I think it was like child killers or something like that. But this is how I came across her story. She is more than a topic, though. She is more than a story. She is a person. Her parents want her to be remembered as a kind, caring young lady with a wonderful, fun personality. Ellie was murdered by her ex-boyfriend on May 3rd, 2019. Her family and friends honor Ellie with change. Eleanor Rose Good was born to Matthew and Carol on February 6, 2002. Along with her older brother, Ben, the family lives in, and again, butcher, going to butcher these words, Calne, C-A-L-N-E, which sure. England. Ellie is a student at a high-performing academy, Hardin Hewish. It's a school. She has dreams of working in the police force and plans to study criminal psychology. One description of her is that she is petite and fearless. She loves animals, horse riding, and summer vacations. 
Her father is teaching her how to drive and she starts going out with her first boyfriend around about the same time she turns 17. She asks her parents if he can come for tea on her birthday. And this would be the second time that her parents would meet her boyfriend. His name is Thomas Griffiths, and she would refer to him as Tom. Carol and Matt, Ellie's parents, thought that the couple were mismatched. Tom was opposite of Ellie. He was very quiet and dull with no conversation. He had bad table manners, whereas Ellie is very bubbly. She sounds great, by the way. Yes. You're painting a very good picture of her. Yeah, she had a lot going on for her. She had a lot of goals. Sounds like she was very ambitious. A lot of good friends. About three months later, on a Friday morning, Tom leaves school claiming to be sick. So he already he arrives at school. It sounded like to me. And then he sent an email to his teachers and was like, oh, I'm sick. I need to leave. So he leaves. And they have like, what is it? CVVT footage like on the video where they catch him on a bus. So they're able to like track all his movements, right? Him and Ellie, they do attend the same school together, but she's not at school yet. So he takes a bus home, hides out in a closet until his mother leaves for work. Sneaky. He then leaves his home, drives himself without a license. He had failed his driver's test. So he's driving illegally. He drives to Ellie's house and he's angry because Ellie broke up with him. And she broke up with him because he was suffocating her. He was obsessive and she wanted to focus on school. She was, you know, coming up to the next level of schooling. Like in the UK or in England, the terminology is a little bit different from here, but I'm assuming that it's the same as what a a final exam would be to advance to the next grade level. So, you know, she was working on that. Tom strangled Ellie and stabbed her in the neck 13 times. He strangled her first and then stabbed her. What? Yeah. So he drove over there and, and did that? Yeah. Just drove to her house. It's not clear about, you know, did she let him in? Did he just wow. charge in? Like what, what that all is. But he found her in the kitchen. Evidently, It happened in the kitchen. He oh, stabbed man. her in the neck 13 times. Oh, my God. Yeah. So then after that, after he does this, he tries to make it look like a suicide attempt by cleaning the knife and placing it in her hand. He takes like an apron or something and wipes off the knife and cleans it in the sink and then puts it in her hand to make it look like she did she did that to herself. Oh, my gosh. He's horrible. And let me tell you, too, this dude, he by looking at him, of course, like you would think he's a typical teenager. He almost looks like, you know, the dude that played Scarecrow in the, in Dark Knight. Oh, I can't picture Um, it. I do not know his name. He was also in, in, uh, Peaky Blind, or is it Peaky or Preaky Blinders? I mean, yeah, yeah. He played like that main guy that's in there. That's this little boy. He looks like that guy. So just just picture. I mean, he's very striking, like his features, but of course he's a punk, you know. That's crazy. Um, we'll post a yeah. picture of him um on Facebook too. Yeah. And Ellie, she's very, she's a very gorgeous girl. So I've already got a picture pulled up. So we'll share her with her what she looks like as well. 
Okay. I see them now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, I do. After he kills Ellie, he attempted to clean the crime scene, the crime scene using clothes. He takes those clothes and puts them in a plastic bag and he leaves with them. He takes them with him. He also tried to clean his shoes in the kitchen sink. Before leaving, he uses Ellie's finger to unlock her cell phone. Oh my gosh. Yeah, he is a freak. He sends a text message to Ellie's friend that is supposed to be coming to pick her up to take her to school. So he says like, oh, you know, I'm not feeling well, so you don't have to pick me up. Like, don't pick me up. He then leaves from there. He goes home changes his clothes and I think they said that it was like two miles or something like that like it wasn't far he does all this within an hour like kills her cleans up goes home cleans up and goes back to school like it's a normal day and there was another there was something else that I found which I didn't find more than one article that I thought it might be worth mentioning that he's walking back to school or walking back to his house or something I don't know why he was walking because he he had the car, but he takes a neighbor, sees him close to like a wooded area. And that's where he dumped the bloody bag of clothes. I mean, he obviously wasn't very brilliant. Like, no. I don't, I don't know what he was thinking. He also sends texts to friends. to like his friends saying that he and Ellie were going to go away together. And then he also sends a text to Ellie asking her if they can meet up later. So he's trying to like cover his tracks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So later that day, about around three o'clock in the afternoon, Ellie's father, Matt, he comes home and finds Ellie in the kitchen on the floor. He thought that she had fallen and hit her head. You know, he's thinking an accident, like maybe she's reaching up in the cabinet, falls, hits her head. He, he doesn't even see the knife. But he's like really confused with the amount of blood that's around her. Calls emergency services and they're trying to talk to him, you know, resuscitate her. But he tells him or he tells emergency services that she's cold. He also calls his wife, Carol, and tells her that there's been an accident. She needs to get home. And he also calls his neighbor as well for help. When Carol is arriving up to her house, which takes her about 15 minutes to get there from work. She arrives and she sees Matt crying and the police are everywhere. She's just, she feels numb and she's in total disbelief. At this point, she's thinking it's an accident too. Murder is far from their thoughts. So after the police go in and they're investigating, looking at the scene, they ask Matt and Carol if Ellie has a boyfriend and they tell him that she, you know, has an ex-boyfriend and they tell him about Tom. And with other questioning, a neighbor mentions that they had seen a young male with a hood on, you know, like a hoodie with a hood on around the house. And it looked like he had entered the house. And this description fit Tom. Tom is arrested on suspicion of murder that evening. This happens around like three o'clock or so that the investigation starts. And I think it was by like 6 p.m. that evening he was arrested for suspicion of murder. With CCTV footage, information found on his phone, Ellie's blood that was found on his shoes, and scratches that they believed to be um, defense wounds from Ellie. He had scratches on his neck. They charged Tom with murder. He's given a sentence of 12 and a half years, but he could be released 
halfway through his jail term because he was under 18. He was 17 as well. If he now, and also like if he, once he's serving his jail term, if he has made exceptional progress, he can apply to have his sentence reduced. So I think it's halfway through his jail term, which would be at six years, he could have got out if he was on like, you know, good behavior. Yeah, that would put him at age 23, right? Yeah. Yeah, 23. He would still have a full life. He sure would. Mm -mm. I don't like that. And neither did Ellie's parents. (laughs) In court, they said that Tom stood like a coward with his head down. His lawyer read a letter written by Tom expressing heartfelt remorse and claims of stress due to his father's cancer diagnosis and pressure of exams. But but did never, he did not offer any explanation ever of why he murdered Ellie. I mean, everybody has stressors every single day. Yeah. People don't go around killing people. Which exactly. That she broke up with him. Yeah. But still doesn't explain why. Exactly. Looking at the picture now, albums too, like his, you can see in his eyes, like, I don't know, evil. Yeah. It's almost like he, like a switch has been turned off or something. Something. Yeah. He's very, you know how they say like the pictures, you know, you present them one way and they can look evil. But if you were to present the picture another way, they may look sad. Yeah. He just, he really does look evil in that picture. He looks hollow. Like there's nothing there. Yes, that's the best way to describe it. Ellie's parents, they start a campaign because of the way that, you know, with minors, how the sentencings were. Mm -hmm. At the time of Tom's sentencing, he was five months away from being an adult. So if he was 18, then the sentencing would be different. Yeah, I don't like that. Four years. Her parents fought to hold teenage murderers, murderers, more accountable for their actions. And, you know, her, one of her points was, was that just kind of like what you had already said, like he still has his whole life. And even here in the U S that, and I'm sure it's everywhere, but that is one thing that frustrates me is like, these people will never get their life back. And just because you cold heartedly murder someone and mm-hmm. you're in prison for good behavior, why should you have your life? Yeah, exactly. They That's shouldn't. just my own personal opinion, but and they're not sorry. They're sorry that they got caught. That's how I feel. Yes. Like they only feel sorry for themselves. I mean, if it's a, an accident, of course, that's a mm-hmm. different circumstance. But right. cold, hard murder. Are you kidding me? I mean, he should have been tried as an adult. He was basically an adult. Right. Because, well, here in the U.S., I mean, they've tried 14-year-olds as adults. Yes. So I guess they don't do that in the U.K. Or I guess you yeah, probably I guess know. it's Or at least where this certain family is from, it's, you know, a a general guideline, like this age for this age or, you know, this age for this sentence and, and, and what have you. I got to know, like the parents doing their campaign, did it make a difference at all? It really, really did. I'm sorry to interrupt. I'll let you go on. I'm just like so (laughs) mad that he could be out at 23 and still have a full life ahead of him. And she has nothing. She's gone. She's gone from the world. It it just, and that's why I chose this story too, because it's such a huge discussion. 
it needs to be a discussion mm-hmm. all over the world. Ellie's law was put into place in March 2021. So just recently, this means that teenage killers could face up to 27 years. Good. I think that's amazing. That's way better. That's yeah, way better than six. But what this means for Tom is like his sentence cannot be extended, but he has lost the right to have his sentence reviewed. When he comes up halfway through his sentencing for, you know, for that review to see like, oh, he's made exceptional progress. He can have his sentence reduced. He's lost that. Good. So he, he cannot no get out at six than, years, right? Right. Okay. He will have to serve no less than 10 and a half years. He will be in there for sure for 10 years, 10 and a half years. And then I'm, you know, I'm guessing after the 10 and a half years, then maybe that is, maybe it can come up for review. There wasn't quite, wasn't sure, you know, what would happen after 10 and a half years. But regardless, they got Ellie's law put into place. They fought for that and, and they, they got it changed. That's awesome. For Carol, though, Ellie's mom, it doesn't stop there. She continues the fight along with Julie DeVey, it's D-E-V-E-Y. They are campaigning together for tougher sentences for people who use a weapon that was already at the scene. As of right now, if you were to take a weapon with you to a scene, you would receive 25 years. If you do not take a weapon with you to, to the scene, like like Tom, the knife was already at the scene. He just happened to use what was there. You will receive 15 years. No way. Yeah. So what Julie and Carol are trying to do is they're trying to get that changed where it shouldn't matter if the weapon, if you bring it with you or if the weapon is there, it shouldn't matter. They're probably looking at it as intent. But that's not the only thing that you can look at as intent. He did ever everything he did was intentional. Yeah. Or like, I guess, you know, if you bring a weapon to the scene, it's premeditated. Yeah. Even though it was premeditated, even though he he was sick and he hid in his closet and he got in that car and he drove. He knew what he was doing. Exactly. Yeah. And what brought Julie and Carol together was that. Julie has a daughter named Poppy and Poppy was murdered by her boyfriend almost under the same circumstances. And they were 17 as well. Ellie's mom, I'm going to share this quote that, you know, where she's talking about fighting for this campaign, Ellie's law. Ellie cared about justice and fairness and she would have wanted Griffiths, which is Tom, to be properly punished. We're doing this for her, but also because we're frustrated by a system that allows someone who commits such a terrible crime to be treated so leniently. Couldn't have said it better, right? Yeah, that was perfect. One of the ways that Carol, and I'm sure her dad is, is, is included in this, one of the ways that they channel their anger is that they there's these fundraisers. There's a place that Ellie loved it's called Writing for the Disabled. And it was, so Ellie had this pony. She loved, as I mentioned before, she loved horse riding. Her pony was named Blackjack and she would lend her pony to this farm where they would bring in disabled people and teach them how to ride horses. 
Ellie's friends, Tilda Alfin, Ellie Welling, and Harriet Adams, they raised $2,000 by hosting a cake sale at their school, which they went to school at the same school with, um, with Ellie and Tom. They raised this $2,000 and then another person named George Strevens or Strevens, he had raised 16 or I'm sorry, $6,000 by running the Chippenham or Chippenham half marathon. $8,000 was donated to this farm to writing for the disabled. That just gave me goosebumps. That was sweet. I know. And what's even more. And I think one of the friends or the mom had mentioned this, it sent chill, like chills up her spine, was that Ellie was very interested in like criminal psychology. She wanted to understand like, kind of like how you and I talk about, we want to understand the minds. And, you know, then this happens to her. It's just very chilling. It is. Tilda, Ellie and Harriet, they also started a campaign in 2020 to introduce self-defense lessons into school i thought that's this amazing was a brilliant idea they should do that everywhere i would have not thought that in school yeah, that's perfect brilliant they said that it's just as important as swimming lessons swimming lessons and driving lessons yes it is absolutely there was a north wiltshire member of parliament his name is james gray which i guess in that would be like the equation here of like maybe like a senator or like a governor of the state, maybe. He went to debate on behalf of the girls. And, you know, he said, quote, we want young people to be leaving school with some kind of understanding how they can conduct themselves in the dangerous world, which they will find when they leave school. It's, he, he's, it's so right. I seriously love this idea so much. Yeah. And they, their idea was to include it into PE classes. That's brilliant. I think it is too. It was ruled that compulsory lessons, which would be like the, um, the subjects that are like, you have to take them, like they are required, Mm -hmm. like, um, you know, your English or math, things like that. It was ruled that the self-defense would not be a compulsory lesson, like it wouldn't be required, but agreed that there would be guidance to ask all heads of the school system to consider self-defense into their. So it would be left up to the school system to decide if they wanted to include self-defense in their curriculum, if it was right for their school. Gotcha. So like it was suggested, but it wasn't like required. Like it's not a law. It's not. And there's also a petition that's circus that's out there, which I'm going to share that as well. It's still active where you can go on there and you can sign the petition. There's over, I think there's over like 10,000 signatures or something like that. But I think that's such a great idea. I mean, I remember in PE just hating it, but if it's something Self-defense is, is physical. You know, Nyoka, you poke it. Yes. Yeah. I'm sitting here thinking like, oh, we should really bring somebody on to talk about self-defense. Yeah. Because it, I mean, when you're young, when you're 17, honestly, you think nothing bad can happen to you. You're, you're perfectly fine. You don't think of the worst and it's not until you're older that you can find these skills actually really useful. And I think it should be 
in the schools. I think that's amazing. I think that I learned a lot just in the little bit of time that I took self-defense. It's pretty amazing. Good stuff to know. And you really enjoyed it too. I I did. I I remember you saying like, not that you said you felt more powerful, but you could tell that it, it empowered you. Yes. I feel much more confident if I was being approached or trying to be taken than I would have beforehand, for sure. Yeah, because her friends, you know, they said that they believe that if Ellie knew self-defense, that she might still be alive. Yeah, but maybe so. But just my own opinion, I think that 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 kid was just I think what really threw it off is that she probably felt like she knew him because that was her boyfriend. Yeah, that's why none of her family would assume that it was murder either, because you think, you know, somebody, but, you know, you don't. And most of the times, though, we need to realize that it's not usually strangers that go after you. It's usually people that, you know, and but, you know, Ellie was very intelligent because for her to break up with him, she obviously knew that something something wasn't sitting right with her. Yeah. Yeah. She was definitely listening to her intuition somehow. So, yeah, I think everybody should go and look at Ellie's picture. And I mean, she will make you think of your own kids and the fight that Carol and and Matt and uh, Julie are still fighting for everyone. So So that's the saddest today. They're still fighting for for all that. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like she had amazing friends. Wow. Her friends are great. Oh, and one more little side note too. The girls, when they went away, you know, to college, they felt like we're starting a new chapter, like we're leaving Ellie behind. The mother, Carol, she gave them lockets with Ellie's picture inside and had them engraved with, I think it was chase, chase your dreams or per, something about chasing your dreams. Aww. And I just thought that that was so so freaking sweet. I love that. I love that so much. Yes. What a great story. That's it. That was fantastic. Um, Thanks. That was great. I mean, you really painted the picture for me. Like, I feel like I knew her and I was sitting there thinking, oh man, she could have done so much good in this world, but she's still dead even after she was gone. You know, that's what makes you even more, or at least it makes me angry is that it's, this is going to sound so crappy to say, but it's always the good people who are taken away from us. Like she, oh, it just makes you more angry. Like, how could he do this? We needed, the world needed her. Yeah, I wish he would have gave some kind of explanation. Not that it would even matter, but I don't know. That's, mm, that's that was a great story. I'm glad you chose it. Thanks. And thank you guys for listening to that concludes uh, this week's episode. I think I'm going to put a poll on Facebook that says, um, do you think that self-defense should be taught in high school? I think that it's a brilliant idea. I have never thought of that. <laughs> I would have never okay. thought of that. <laughs> when I read that, I was like, these girls, they're onto something. They really are. I mean, these are life skills that can be carried with you. But um, you guys, as a reminder, please follow us on social media. Check out our Patreon for bonus episodes. Uh, We already put out the January one. It was pretty great. Share us with your friends. Leave us reviews. 
email us anything that you want to ask or know or just say. We'll be back next week with another episode. Hopefully we'll be together podcasting. But until then, we'll just um, say be careful when you break up with somebody. Don't let them in your kitchen and uh, hide your knives. How's that? Be safe. Be safe. (laughs) Well, that's it, guys. We love you. Bye. Bye.